And I think they've left me here to, to do cleanup. All right? So I'm batting forth. Well, this is our Christmas program, and it's all about Jesus. So let's thank these kids for giving us their Christmas story. You know, the Christmas story is a great story. It's a story of God's grace, of God's great love for a sinful world. The birth of Jesus was promised to God's people in the Old Testament, that He would be their Messiah, their Savior. In fact, many of the prophets told us about the first Christmas. And the third through fifth grade kids, they quoted two verses from Isaiah to begin our program this morning. The prophecy of the Jewish Messiah, the promised Holy One, a prophecy of our Savior. Let's look at one of those verses this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what is Isaiah telling us in this prophecy? What did he know? Well, let's go back to verse 6. And look carefully. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now, this must have been quite a shocker to these folks. The Savior of all mankind is coming as an infant. Helpless. Vulnerable. But in this statement we see the humanity of the Christ. A child is born born into the human race, just like you and me. Well, not quite. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Next, Isaiah says, a son is given. Well, this speaks of his deity. A son is given tells us that this is not a normal birth. Well, that's not exactly correct. What Isaiah is going to tell us is that, in fact, it's not a normal pregnancy. He says in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was fully human, a newborn child. But you know, some of the 20th century critics have argued that this word virgin in the original Hebrew language can also mean that Mary is a young woman. Just a young woman. A young woman shall conceive and have a child, not a pregnant virgin. Those of us who believe that the Bible is always true, we answer back to these folks, well, how would that be a sign from God? Isaiah proclaimed, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Well, if your daughter-in-law becomes pregnant, that might be an answer to prayer for some of you wannabe grandparents. But a pregnant virgin, now that's a sign from God. Isaiah is telling us that this child will also be fully divine, God's only son, a gift to us from heaven. 
Then the prophet jumps in this verse at least 2,000 years in the future, in fact, into our future. And he's going from the child's humble birth to his glorious reign, his reign where he shall rule from Jerusalem and bring perfect peace to this world. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Isaiah tells us the government will rest on Jesus' shoulders, not ours. The sign of the government on his shoulder won't be a, a braid of military of a military general or the epaulette of a noted ruler. On his shoulder will be the cross. That's the sign. Because Jesus will govern by laying down his very life. Verse 6 continues in Isaiah. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name will be called Wonderful. Jesus is the spice of life. Counselor. Got a problem? You need wisdom? Go to Jesus. But many scholars uh, see each of these names for Jesus as double names. It combines the two aspects of who Jesus is, His humanity and His deity. If that's so, then we should actually call Him Wonderful Counselor. You can get counsel from a lot of people in a lot of places, but there's only one Wonderful Counselor. And with Him, there's neither fees to be paid nor appointments to be made. In fact, you can just drop by it any time because the door to his office is always open anytime we're in need. We can read about that in the book of Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly, come boldly to this throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He is a counselor like no other. His office is a throne room a throne of grace. Isaiah describes him in chapter 11 as the grandson of a king, King David, the son of Jesse. This wonderful counselor will have divine wisdom. The Spirit of the Lord was resting upon him. Isaiah says this in chapter 11, There shall come forth a a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Wonderful counselor, one name meaning wonderful, divine counselor. Now as we return to our verse for this morning, Isaiah gives him yet another name, mighty God. Miracles are his forte. Mighty God also suggests that the Lord is a powerful warrior. Zephaniah had it when he said in chapter 3, verse 17, reading out of the New American Standard Version, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will renew you in His love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Isaiah goes on to tell us, He's also named Everlasting Father. He and the Father are one. 
everlasting Father describes a king. He's a father providing for and protecting his people forever. Isaiah tells us again in chapter 40, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm he, and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. The word father is used here as the Savior's role, an ideal king, a shepherd king, a shepherd father. And finally, Isaiah calls him Prince of Peace. He will bring peace to the world, and he brings peace to our hearts. Prince of Peace is the climactic title. It's the title that describes the purpose that he came, the purpose of his birth, his incarnation. This child is the true prince, the one who has the right to reign and who will usher peace. Pastor Jared talked about this last week in Romans 5, chapter 1, where he said, By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a message about personal peace with our Creator. Now altogether, these four double names assert the dual nature of the Savior. He is God become man. My friend Kenny Poor, he used to say, Jesus is God in a bod. Well, that's what Christmas is all about. The angels came to the shepherds and they proclaimed the arrival of the Prince, the Prince of Peace. The first angel said in Luke chapter 2, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now that was the first angel belting out his solo. Next the whole chorus chimes in. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And in your bulletin I've given you some blanks to fill out. I do this because I think these are things to think about. Because of this infant, this babe born in an obscure manger, peace on earth toward mankind is possible. You see, the angels are singing about peace with a holy God. And how does that work? How can one man bring peace to all of mankind? Well, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus. All the fullness. Get that phrase. All the fullness. Lying in that manger was a baby that was fully God, fully divine. Just as Isaiah had, had, had prophesied. A baby in a manger, helpless and vulnerable. But even so, this is a baby laying there, possessing the power and capacity to create heaven and earth. God wrapped in human skin, sent by the Father to make peace with mankind. No mere mortal could atone for the sins of the whole world. 
this newborn infant possessed all the fullness of the eternal God. His name is Jesus. Born from heaven into this infinite temporal world. A son is given by God himself to bring peace in the hearts of mankind, of the human race. Continuing in Colossians verse 20, through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. God the Father made peace with mankind through the sacrifice of Jesus' cross. God didn't make peace with mankind by just looking the other way or saying boys will be boys or even giving some of you another mulligan. I've seen some of you golf. You need one of those. But verse 20 said, God made peace with mankind by reconciling. Reconciling. It's a a math word, an accounting word. It's what you're supposed to do with your paycheck, with your checkbook, Every month, reconcile your bottom line with what's really in there. Reconciliation is all about what Jesus did for us on the cross. How did he do that? I like the way the version called the message says it. Colossians 2, verse 13. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. Jesus reconciled the bank book of your sinful life. However much you or I come up short, Jesus paid it all on the cross. Jesus came to earth that first Christmas morning to bring us peace. That's what the angels sang about. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, Worship team, come on up. Peace. Peace with God. That's what Jesus brought us under the tree that first Christmas morning. You only have to unwrap it. Thank God for the free gift that He's given you, because it's got your name on it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for emptying Yourself, for choosing to come and be one of us, to be our kinsman, to be our relative who can become responsible for us, for our failures, for our sin. Lord Jesus, thank You for coming to earth. Thank You, Lord, for being here and living a life, a life with temptation, a life with, with pain and, and struggles. But Lord Jesus, thank You for coming to this earth for us. Thank You for Your death on the cross. And Lord, at this Christmas time, we invite You to be with us. We've, many have asked you into our hearts. Some haven't. The Lord, even this morning, we pray that you would touch the hearts of those 
who know you to draw closer to you, to make this Christmas all about you. Lord, if there's those here this morning that have never opened that gift under the tree of life, we ask, Lord, that you would touch their hearts, that you would open their hearts to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing one more song with us. This morning, don't you love these kids and their love for Jesus? And uh, it takes a, a lot of people to go on the back and help those kids and teach them what they need to know and love them, put God's love on them. Uh, some of you might be praying about helping out with that. Uh, it's a great day. It's a great season for us. Um, I think we'll be having our um, barbecue at about 12. We might do it a little bit earlier because I was threatened to make sure this was short this morning. Okay? But um, it's the kids that we're here to share with. There may be some of you here who have gone through many Christmases and you know about God, you know about Jesus, but it's a personal thing. And I would invite you to examine your heart and just say, Lord, do I belong to you? Have you opened, have, have I opened the door to you? Have you been knocking and I've kind of wrecked, you know, I looked, peeked out the peak hole and I thought, you know, I saw you. This would be a great time, a great tribute to these kids and to our ministry here for you to just open your heart to Jesus this morning. Let's just close with one more prayer. Lord Jesus, draw us close to you this morning. We love you. I ask that you would just plead, just open the hearts of anyone who's here to come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go home and get something or stay here in fellowship, but we're going to eat probably... Probably quarter to 12 or so, I think we'll have things ready. God bless you. Have a great day.